I mean, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. So, we're going team by team. I would be very careful about sling Am I going to get sued? We got legal on this? Let's send you out on the right note. Uh, PFF sucks. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs> wow. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson, live from Radio Row. I believe it's Wednesday. It's your yeah. Wednesday edition. It is. PFF NFL Podcast. What's up, man? What's How's up, it Steve? It's, we got, uh, we're here on location, as you can see. We we're have here. been, yep, we have been unsuccessful in locating a means to raise my height or lower yours. That's correct. You're going to look like a... D- Small person again. <laughs> Smaller than yeah. me person yeah. is what you're going to look like today on the show. You want me to sit back a little bit? We we remembered that the way of solving this in the past was to just find a guest that was vaguely normal size, and therefore it would be you that became ridiculous looking. Yeah. Well, we got me. Kay coming on tomorrow, Perfect. so that's probably going to work really well. That will work perfectly. Uh, today we're going to talk a little free agency. Because it's time. If Brad said he wasn't available here, he's sitting right there. Look yeah, at him. What a shirt. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's all good, Brad. It's a nice, it's a nice shirt. Come over here. Show everybody the shirt. Show the shirt. shirt. Oh, yeah. Look at that. It's a good shirt. I mean, that's where it's like, means business. Like, uh-huh. he's going to get some dirt here on that, Media Row that's a with that kind shirt. of shirt. Uh, my goal for this show is to talk a little free agency, but also to pull somebody in at some point to just to just chat. We'll, oh. find, we'll just find people. Okay. Random people. We'll see. All right. You know, there's Florio over there. He looks busy. Mm. Uh, McAfee's live right over there. Yep. Um, I don't think any of those guys are going to come. But, you know, we'll see somebody coming through here. I haven't seen J.J. Watt yet. Haven't seen J.J., but we're ready. We are ready. We are ready with a shirt for J.J. When J.J. comes through. Um, before we get started, though, is 2024 bringing exciting or unexpected changes to your life? Well, here's a secret weapon to help you face those challenges with more confidence. It's a great term life insurance policy. Yeah, that's right. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it simple to protect your family's financial future so you can focus on what's ahead, knowing your family is protected if something else unexpected happens. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget, like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. So join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at, at meetfabric.com slash pffnfl. That's meetfabric.com slash pffnfl. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash pffnfl. Policy is issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company, not available in certain states. Price is subject to underwriting health questions. All right, man. You want to talk free agency? Uh-huh. Or anything else that's going on here on Radio Row? You want to just uh, babble about what's going on here? There's not much going on yet. We're, it's early in the day. It's 9 a.m. Pacific. Starting to pick up a little bit. You know, Seth Rollins was running around here. I saw Gronk running yeah. around here. Gronk. Um, He'll be on the He's Usually on Kay Adams, right? He'll be on her show. Oh, I'm sure he was walking, yeah, I'm sure he was walking over there right now. We're supposed to have Kay on tomorrow. We'll see. Thursday, late in the week. You know, she's kind of a star here. Now. Right. Late it's pretty, in the week. It's, it's exactly the type of hit that gets bumped yeah. on a Thursday. Yeah, we are. Know? We are. the. We get bumped. Well, we're The show we that gets bumped. right in the middle, right, of yeah. the hierarchy of, yeah. of, of, of both stars and shows. So what happens is 
we get bumped and then we have to bump other people to make up for the bumping and the bumping goes down the line. Mid-tier football podcast right. is what we are. I mean, we talk about mid-tier quarterbacks all the we time. We are a, a, a podcast award finalist. Finalist. And finalists don't get the big guests. Had we won, you know. Right. Maybe Gronk would be here. So I'm Never saying. know. But we didn't win. So we did. So here we are. We're just By the way, talking I told you, you this last night. That that night camp thing with Shannon Sharp and Ocho Zinco. Yeah. We were like, ah, oh, they're, you know, reasonably big. Maybe they're competent. They have a million followers on YouTube. More than us. Yeah. How about that? You know that? They have a million a million subscribers. No <laughs> so wonder we, were, we didn't I mean, win. We, were, we were in the right ballpark with the right people. <laughs> Got our ass kicked by a podcast like five times bigger than we are. That's like me saying I played with Buster Posey. Yeah. We were on the same football. We were the same baseball team. Sure. We shared the same diamond. And at National League MVP. Yeah. Podcast host. Mm-hmm. You know? We went we went different ways. We went toe-to-toe at Nightcap and came out, you know, worse. It's because it's because he's they had to attack us personally. I mean, Shannon, they, they Shannon the past, attacks yeah. us personally. I don't know if Ocho's ever attacked us. Not yet, at least. No, he will at some point. All right, let's talk free agency, man. Um, I know you and Brad have talked a lot about free agent fits and various things on the show. Um, do you want to give a quick recap? I mean, every year at this point in February, there are big names on the list. There's still chances that they could. Um, come to terms, get franchise tagged, how many of these big names actually hit free agency. Um, but do you want to give uh, a high-level overview of what we're starting with here as we head into March? Yeah, I mean, that's always the big question at this point in the year, right? You look at the upcoming free agent class, and you're like, oh, this looks great. This is a really strong class. And then you have to work out who's actually going to hit the market or not. And that determines whether or not the uh, the class itself ends up being good and whether it doesn't. And you can go Look at the class yourself if you're at pff.com. Where is it? Under the NFL tab and then scroll down to the tools, you'll find free agent rankings where you can see some information about all the top free agents, see the rankings, filter them by position, uh, all those kinds of things, and you can get your overview of the class. But from the unedited version, the guys that are just scheduled to hit free agency, it's a really strong class in terms of, okay, let's start placing franchise tags and figure out who's actually going to hit the open market or not. It takes a pretty severe body blow, I think. There was a report already today that the Giants are going to franchise tag Saquon Barkley again. You're chuckling through it. Uh, Josh Allen, the edge rusher, the Jags edge rusher, is going to get the franchise tag. T. Higgins, the Bengals wide receiver, we think will hit the franchise tag as well. Um, so I think a lot of these big names, Jalen Johnson, Chicago Bears corner, will probably get franchise tagged. I would imagine if you're the Bucks, you put the tag on Antoine Winfield. I don't know how many of these guys are hitting the open market, but you're certainly losing a lot of the star power. Right. Every year we go through looking at this and, you know, don't know who's going to get there. Uh, thoughts on Saquon Barkley, though, as far as the tag goes? I know you have a take that they did everything in reverse last year at this time. And so there's, there's two... There's two reports that are the fallout from last year's decisions. Right. One, that the Giants might want to trade up for court, for a quarterback. And then two, that Saquon Barkley could get the tag again. I think it would be difficult to mismanage this process worse than what they've actually done, right? They, How do you really feel? Well, they, seriously, they had the choice last year of we have one franchise tag and two players that, that theoretically need it. Saquon or the quarterback that we're not 100% sure on. They were like, well, let's skip over the, the, the knowing about it stage. Let's just give Daniel Jones the contract. And that frees up the franchise tag for Saquon Barkley to keep him around for a year. And then we let him walk next season because he's going to want too much money. So 
that was like the only saving grace of that dynamic last offseason is that they didn't commit long term to Saquon Barkley and they could walk away when the price tag got too big. Instead, they're doubling down on it and saying, well, let's just make the, the, the tag even bigger and use the tag on him again. That's crazy. Yeah. At least, I mean, the one good thing I think is that the criticism of locking up a running back is and he was great last year by the way like this is independent of whether Saquon Barkley was good or not last year yeah there was a point where it did feel like their offense was different when he was healthy you know the on off splits which we always say are noisy and they're noisy in part because hey Saquon came back in last year and everything was so bad right that it didn't really matter yeah. how good he was right when when Daniel Jones was out there and they had a Jones run thread like they did they did run a pretty efficient offense in 2022 and Barkley was a big part of that but last year when the O-line was just that bad you have the revolving door at quarterback you have outside of a you know cutlets making a little run there it was pretty in, in Tyrod Tyra. little run sorry but um it was just it was rough offensively so I don't again I, Saquon's not the game changer there I think the one good thing there is you're not locking him up you know you're not tied to him long term that's the one palatable part I think of the franchise tag even if it's a lot of money in that one year I feel like the decision making process of the Giants front office over the last sort of year or so has simply it all screams just a lack of self-control and discipline like you know what you should be doing in this situation but instead it's too tempting to keep Saquon Barkley around so you're going to do the thing that you know you probably shouldn't do which is give him a second franchise tag which bumps the price tag up to what 125 percent of the franchise tag last year it's just it's too much like you know that the correct decision at this point is to let him walk cash in on the comp pick just don't pay the big long-term money go somewhere else draft another running back in you know in the third round or the fourth round instead you're I mean not quite repeating the mistakes from last year but it's the same theme and the idea of the value of the running back is after everything is in place Saquon could be a really valuable player right. for say the the Dallas Cowboys or a team that has quarterback receiver good offensive line and then it's like oh we need to take this run game to the next level the Giants are working the other way where yeah. the whole foundation needs to be taken care of first uh, let's go by position here um, not every position but always start with quarterbacks and of course Kirk Cousins is the biggest name hitting free agency but it also includes guys like Baker Mayfield uh, Ryan Tannehill is going to be a free agent as well Gardner Minshew Jacoby Brissett Jameis Winston um, but Cousins at the top for all the teams that are picking in the top 15 who need a quarterback, teams like we talked about the Atlanta Falcons, we've talked about the, you know, the Raiders, the Broncos, the Patriots, are any of those teams going to be in the mix here for Kirk Cousins? Or who's yeah. going to, where's Kirk Cousins going to land? Of course, he could also go back to Minnesota. Right, and we talked with Brad um, about this uh, last week sometime. I think the obvious one is still Atlanta, but there's going to be plenty of teams interested in Baker in, uh, in Kirk, uh, Kirk Cousins. Freud. Yeah, because he's the one clear, high-quality starting quarterback available, right? Now, Russell Wilson might be added to this pool at some point. Even if he is, I think he's a, a step below Kirk Cousins at this point. Cousins is the one sort of free agent quarterback prize for a team that doesn't have an answer for quarterback. Now, teams might sort of settle for other options or, or be okay with going for one, but they're not ecstatic about it. There will be teams that will be ecstatic about upgrading to a Kirk Cousins, if that's possible. Um, so that's the big name, obviously, as you mentioned, uh, Russell Wilson potentially. Do we just expect Baker Mayfield back in Tampa Bay? On yeah. a, we, we keep using the Geno Smith type of contract. 
the middle class quarterback contract. I do think the Bucks have an opportunity to do that. Yeah, I don't know what the contract looks like, but I would be surprised at this point if Baker is not back with the Buccaneers. Um, now, they, him and his camp had made statements. They want to know who the play caller is. And, you know, Dave Canales, their offensive coordinator, who was a first-time coordinator, got the most out of Baker Mayfield, got a basically a career year. It was that year, I think, in 2020 and parts of 18. Like It's not like Baker had never played well before, mm -hmm. but got a great season out of Baker. He's off to Carolina, and, you know, uh, Liam Cohen comes in from Kentucky uh, via the Rams, right? Liam Cohen was uh, – was multiple Sean times. Mc multiple times, right? He had gone Kentucky, Rams, Kentucky. Um, so he is on that McVay tree. McVay is – he's got a lot of branches now off of his tree. And I know that the, the big tree there is, is Mike Shanahan. But right. McVay is different than Mike Shanahan, different than Kyle. So we're talking a McVay uh, disciple, for lack of a better term. Is that enough? I mean, is that – Baker saying, hey, that's that's good. Yeah, that's what I want. And a guy who got, you know, the best year out of Will Levis in college when he was at right. Kentucky. Like, there, I think there's some pedigree there with, with Liam Cohen. And if I was Baker, I I think that would be a good answer. Like, okay, Dave Canales was definitely a, a huge boost to Baker Mayfield. He got a fantastic season out of him. If I was Baker and I wanted answers as to what that was going to look like, I think that's a pretty good answer. Um, let's go to the receivers because uh, Baker Mayfield's top receiver, Mike Evans, hits free agency and you know he's going to be one of the bigger names we have him 13 right now per brad's uh free agent list t higgins is the top receiver michael pittman jr the second the number two receiver you and i have done we're, we're not specifically doing these rankings this year ourselves for uh, pff.com but we've done them in the past over the last 10 years one of our biggest struggles is is production but age right we're trying to project right. forward so you have t higgins at 25 years old michael pittman at 26 Evans is 30, but man, you've, you've got that consistency of the thousand yard seasons and he looked great last year, right? And he, it was, the, it was the same guy that could win down the field that could, that could kind of take over games. Doesn't do it every week, but can take over games and be uncoverable. Will the Bucks bring Mike Evans back or will he actually hit free agency? He seems like a guy that wanted to stay in Tampa Bay, but before the season, they did not get a deal done. Yeah. It's a really interesting group of wide receivers. Actually, there's a bunch of young guys that either are coming off bad years or have never really demonstrated the ability to be a sort of true number one superstar there's a guy that has shown that ability but is mike evans and is therefore over 30 and you know where exactly he is now then there's some sort of uh smaller receivers or more flawed clear number two type players like calvin ridley coming off the season he had darnell mooney gabe davis um and then you even let deeper into it you come to guys like Michael Thomas who came back dealt with you know years worth of injuries didn't you know didn't bounce all the way back to being Michael Thomas but showed still quite a lot of juice and is still only 30 himself it's a it's an, a really intriguing group of wide receivers but not one where you can say you know we have a glaring hole at an, as, as number one wide receiver we need a guy to come in and absolutely transform the receiving core we need a veteran version of you know, Jamar Chase when he arrived in Cincinnati, that doesn't look like it's out there. Yeah, we use that term number one wide receiver a lot. And to me, it's it's not, you know, there's not 32 of those guys in the right. NFL, right? There's probably 10 to 15 legitimate game changers. I do think T. Higgins ranked, you know, as our top free agent wide receiver is probably the closest. But other than a few games without Jamar Chase, we haven't seen a ton of high volume T. Higgins. You're the man. You're going to get 12 to 15 targets and you know, draw coverage and everything that that number one wide receiver has to do. 
so yeah, I think that's the that, and Michael Pittman similar, right? I mean, they've the Colts offense certainly looks better with than without him last year, Michael Pittman. Yeah. But is he the guy that you think is he's not a take the top off the defense type of guy? He's that uber possession type. So those are good receivers that 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 teams need. Like the 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 teams that have no playmakers are going to want T Higgins and Michael Pittman. Um, and then the Evans question is you know, is it like a two or three year deal? When does he drop off? Anytime you start to get into your thirties as a receiver, the fear of injury, even as uh, consistent as he's been staying on the field. The other interesting name is uh, Marquise Brown being there at 17 right. on our overall free agent list, 26 years old as a deep threat. And you start to look at fits, you know, he doesn't have to be that all around receiver, but that dude can still get behind the defense. Yeah. It's interesting. Like again, Michael Pittman and Marquise Brown, neither one of them, I think is necessarily a, a true number one sort of superstar that can win in every single way, but you put them together and they are like, actually yeah. they, as a duo, they would Pittman be a fascinating, like if the team had a, had a terrible wide receiver core and wanted to completely overhaul it. And as we said, they're looking at the landscape where there isn't that number one Jamar Chase to come in and fix it all by himself. Getting Pittman and Marquise Brown, I think, would achieve that and actually give you everything immediately. And now whoever your number one was before they arrived is now your number three. The tricky. And all of a sudden your receiving core is transformed. The tricky Problem part is, is the price. Expensive, right. Um, I think, you could fact check me on this, I think the Chargers are the only team that have had two receivers over $20 million, right. right? And that's Mike Williams and, and Keenan Allen. And you've got some similarities there, right? They're different body types. They're different styles of play. So... Look, we're, I'm team load up on playmakers. But what if in this new landscape, post Bill Belichick, post penny pinching, the Patriots go, we're going to draft a quarterback at three, and we're going to get this guy as receiving core in free agency, and we're going to bring in Michael Pittman and Marquise Brown, spend some money. We've got the third most cap space in the NFL. Let's go nuts. It would give you an opportunity to turn that thing around. I mean, those are the types of drastic moves that a team like New England, with uh, one of the worst offenses in the league last year, would have to make right. to turn things around. The problem, the, I think the problem with wide receiver free agency is even when you get to like Calvin Ridley at 24, we were complimenting the Jags on this flyer, elite jacket, elite jacket. Trevor, come on. Look at that. Elite jacket, by the way. Look at Go that. Go Gators. Hide that credential. Uh oh. Hide the credential. Show the Gator. Elite, wow. elite jacket. That's right. We're live. We love wow. it. We love it. Good work. I'm going to buy one. What am I, a piece of meat? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You too can have a Gators jacket. Link in the description. Somewhere. <laughs> not a sponsor. Hashtag not an ad. All right, reset. Reset for social. Reset for social. All right, Calvin Ridley and the Jags. We thought he was a great deal for the Jags. A big buy low. But I don't know if I'm a buy a lot. <laughs> you know, buy high. Right. For, I mean uh, for Calvin Ridley. Ridley was a question mark last year because, you know, he had never demonstrated the ability to be that true number one star without Julio Jones, you know, doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Jags bought low on him, gave him that shot. He didn't really demonstrate it last year either. So you can probably determine at this point that he isn't capable of doing that and he's just a complimentary piece of an offense, which is fine, but it means that if you have that need as a number one guy, he's not the option or he's not the way of fixing it. One, just circling back to the Michael Pittman thing, Colts have a ton of cap space and a terrible receiving core if they don't have him. So he's another guy that probably isn't hitting the open market one way or the other. Either they give him the long-term deal or they slap the franchise tag on him. Either way. Pittman's probably going back. Yeah, they would be crazy to let him walk. Uh, GM Chris Ballard, you know, sometimes you, you hear those snippets from the post-season uh, post press conferences and everything. It's a big hat. 
we got a big hat on the premises. Wow, um, big hat. The uh, Chris Ballard had already said we got to get some playmakers for Anthony Richardson. I think they try to keep Pittman back. We talked yesterday about Lance Erline's mock draft that had Brock Bowers uh, in the first round going to the Colts. I think the Colts, I like re, this is the, for the fifth straight free agency preview here, Sam. We're talking about the Colts going to get playmakers. Now they just have to keep one of their own just to stay afloat. I think at that ty- at, you know at that position at receiver. So I think they do have to keep Pittman. I think that's Brock Bowers right over there. Brock. Hey, Brock. <laughs> you go on the Colts. All right. So I'm just gonna I'm just do whatever. Who cares? We're just gonna yell and have some fun here. Um, I think again, where where receiver gets scary is when you have to give big deals. Um, the great Corey Davis, right? The great. Um, future Hall of Famer with four years away now from Corey Eligibility. Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hall of Fame induction. There, the 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 wide receiver two, wide receiver two and a half. When those guys start getting fifteen million plus or whatever that price tag is, the Darnell Mooney's, well, that probably the, the brings Gabe Davis's. Those are good receivers, but they're more palatable on the first contract. So that probably brings you around to Gabe Davis, right? Who's interesting because he's not even twenty-five yet. He's still incredibly young. He was supposed to emerge as the the true foil to Stephon Diggs in Buffalo, the number two guy there. He had obviously that playoff game a couple of years ago where he put up Jerry Rice type the Jerry numbers. Rice game, we call completely it. unstoppable. Um, but uh, he been he's been basically supplanted in that Buffalo offense by uh, Khalil Shakir. You know the tight ends they've moved in that direction as well. So Gabe Davis probably does hit the open market at under 25 years of age with at least flashes of insane production and brilliance, um, but not the consistency of it. Yeah, so I think my my warning to teams, I, I do think I think free agency is a nice place to get your uh, Ali Villanuevas, right? Your <laughs> what? More Ali Villanuevas. Your Morgan Moseses, yeah. the guys that I've always, you know, you get them a little, you know, you get starting caliber offensive linemen, kind of on the cheap. I do think there's a little buyer beware once you get into the second class of receivers for the price tag, um, especially especially with how often the um, college football seems to just be churning out good receivers yeah so I think it's like go get the top guy or get young when it comes to receiver um, I want to talk a little defensive line though in this class because uh, Chris Jones being the top guy on our free agent list uh, Jaguars Josh Allen at number three Panthers edge defender Brian Burns at, uh, at five Justin Matabike from the Baltimore Ravens at six Christian Wilkins of the Dolphins at seven Daniil Hunter at 12 Leonard Williams at 16, Bryce Huff at 18, DJ Reader at 19, Chase Young at 28. There's a lot of defensive line talent. I've lumped in, of course, edge defenders and interior defensive line. If you need defensive line help, there will be some options out there. Yeah, even if you, again, you know, start picking off the ones that are going to get franchise tagged and don't hit the market. I think Josh Allen, for will. one, is going back to yeah, Jacksonville. Absolutely. He will, be, he will get franchise tagged. Uh, Chris Jones will be interesting. You know, they had that contract dispute last offseason. They didn't come to a... I guess a long-term accord there. It's possible he hits the market. Who knows? Um, Brian Burns, uh, I think, has a pretty good chance of hitting the market as well, given the way they've sort of treated him over the last few years of not trading him away, keeping hold of him. Matt BK would be an obvious candidate for a franchise tag. Uh, Wilkins, maybe. Dell Hunter probably hits the open market the way uh, his deal has gone in Minnesota. Leonard Williams, they just traded for. Probably not letting him walk, I wouldn't have thought. 
Bryce Huff would be a lot to franchise tag for a guy that is an amazing situational player for them, but they've sort of loaded up on the defensive line. He's the type of player you generally let walk when that happens. Um, and then DJ Reader, Chase Young, like there will be definitely options even when you start, even when you lose those top group of guys that get tagged. Uh, Kwesi was trying to help us with the uh, perception, you know, the public perception at PFF. In Matthew he, Collar's book. What's that? In Matthew Collar's book. Oh, right, yeah. I mean, he was you know, saying he uses, uses, he actually uses PFF. Right. Right? It, because, yeah, it is a tool that you know, decision makers should use. Uh, but, yeah, the Vikings are going to be a fascinating team this offseason, what they do with Daniel Hunter. And then I think, to me, all of the teams that have the long-term quarterback, everything that the Chiefs do, uh, just fascinating, right? Like, what are they going to do? How are you, when you have the quarterback locked up, what are you going to do to build around him during that time? Same thing with the Bengals, same thing with the Bills. Um, so the Bengals having DJ Reader, I, I do think there's a point where Cincinnati just can't keep the band together. And then you say, okay, where do we deploy right. all of these resources? Same thing Kansas City has to figure out with a Chris Jones, with a Legereus Sneed. And, you know, they already made the, the difficult decision to say Tyree Kill or five draft picks. We'll take the five draft picks to reset the cap. And that may have set them up to be able to keep Chris Jones or Legereus Sneed here. I mean, there's a bunch of teams that are facing, like, an immediate franchise tag decision. Not just do we tag this player, yes or no, but which one of the players we have hitting free agency that we would like to retain are we keeping around? because we, we would like to keep them both, but we only have one franchise tag. The decision the Giants had last season with Saquon and, and Daniel Jones. The Bengals are one of those teams where DJ Reader has some of the most sort of powerful on-off splits you know, of any player in the NFL. They, that defense misses him badly when DJ Reader isn't on the field, and he plays that position, not just defensive line, not just defensive interior, but that nose tackle, run stuffing specialist that can also still make some uh, noise as a pass rusher um, he makes a real impact and there aren't that many of those guys around but they're probably going to use their franchise tag on T Higgins so the, the Bengals are facing this thing saying if we want to keep Reader around we, gotta, we have to get a deal done with him not we can't tag him right and Tyler Boyd also hits free agency for for Cincinnati so again it's every time the draft comes up we, we're thinking I, I'm always saying hey draft those high value positions uh, the places where you might have to let guys walk. They do have Trey Hendrickson locked up, but if you're going to lose a Tyler Boyd, lose a DJ Reader, you're going to have to get younger at those spots or go to the the middle-class free agent route, right? So, again, I think those teams, uh, the teams that can't spend a ton because they have the quarterback are really interesting, and then the teams that are going to spend a lot, you know, the teams with the most effective cap space, the Commanders, Titans, Patriots, Colts, Texans, um, all those teams – are they just gonna? Are they gonna go nuts? The Patriots, in particular, they've had one year where they went crazy a couple years ago. Yeah. After Nick Casario left, and we said maybe maybe Casario was holding the uh, the credit card, and Bill Bill wanted to go nuts. They spent a lot of money that one year. Gerard Mayo has said, we have money to spend. We're gonna do it. Can't wait to see what they end up doing because yeah, they need drastic changes, especially on offense. And they do appear to have. I mean, I'm sure it's not the same dynamic in terms of Gerard Mayo wields the Bill Belichick-sized influence in that building total control over everything but it's not like they've radically pared back that job description you know Gerard Mayo is still seemingly in charge of an awful lot there and he's going to have significant personnel say if not total and complete say the way Belichick did 
you know, if Gerard Mayo wants to spend, if he wants to go get some players, if he wants to make a splash, I think it'll happen. Um, the, as far as the defensive tackle talents out there, we mentioned Chris Jones, Matabike, uh, Christian Wilkins. I, I don't know if they're more valuable in today's NFL with, um, there's just, there's not a lot of really good interior defensive linemen across the NFL. Yeah. I don't think college has sent a lot to the NFL That's the since, thing. since 2019, Christian Wilkins draft class. And of the five first rounders, he's the only one that didn't sign a long-term deal right. with his original team, the Dolphins. So yeah, college hasn't sent a lot of them in and doesn't appear to be accelerating that you know, anytime soon. Right. Every year we look at the draft and you're like, there's a ton of edge rushers here, edge rushers for days, incredibly deep class. You're like, interior, I mean, there's a couple of guys, but outside of that, eh. I mean, okay, you know, last year, you'll find them lower down, right? Kobe Turner with a third round pick. Third round, right? Not fifth? He was third round, right. but yeah, he was projected to go in the fifth. Correct? Okay, so, you know, th there are some of these guys that are hitting, but it's not the giant draft class that some other positions are. So, and I think those players are, maybe they're not becoming more important, but the rarity, the scarcity of them is sort of driving up the impact that they can have because not everybody has them anymore. I always use the shy Tuttle deal last year. You know, just a guy that is a you know average starter type making a lot, you know, making a decent amount of money. The interior defensive line has made a lot of money over the last cycle or two in free agency. So those guys will be coveted this year as well. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app called Pick 6. Pick 6 is the newest way for you to get in on the fantasy football action with DraftKings. Just pick between two and six NFL players and choose if they're going to have more or less of a stat. For example, if it will, have, will a player have more or less than 100 rushing yards or will a player have more than one touchdown? Track your lineup and compete against others for a huge shot at huge, for a shot at huge cash prizes. So download the DraftKings Pick 6 app now and sign up with code PFF. That's code PFF only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18-PLUS in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including, but not limited to, Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, please visit dkng.com slash pick6states. Void were prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. I somehow have wound up on a PR mailing list that sends out random emails of usually like weird things that have been discovered by survey. And I, I got one that I think is worth bringing up because it's quite funny. Great. Uh, the survey, I think, was conducted by something called Bonus Finder, uh, which apparently is a leading online casino. Um, but that's beside the point. What it, it has apparently discovered is that over one in 10 Americans would miss their own wedding to watch their favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl. One uh, in 10? That feels low. Over one in 10. Oh, yeah. 16.9% would miss a family member's funeral to watch their team win yeah, a Super Bowl. Yeah, they don't even know. 16.4% uh, would miss their best friend's wedding. 13% would miss the birth of their grandchild. Grandchild, not child. 10.9% uh, would give up winning a million dollars in the lottery. 10.2% would miss their own wedding. Uh... 8.8% would miss the birth of their child for their team winning Super Bowl. I mean, you'll have plenty of time with them after. And 8.1% would miss I, their own son or daughter's wedding. The million dollar one's interesting because, you know, kids are kids are priceless. <laughs> but um, but people would, like, pay a million. This is like... It's like, yeah, would you pay a million dollars? If I knew, you know, like, I would, I would buy you a backup safety if I knew it would win us a Super Bowl. Right. You know? I would buy you a, you know, a minimum wage player. 
basically. I would buy my team a minimum wage player if right. I knew it would guarantee a Super Bowl. Apparently, a staggering 15% of Americans confess that they would consider leaving their partner for a chance to be with NFL legend Tom Brady. Are you one of the 15%? I am not. I am not. As a, as a renowned Tom Brady fan, how deep does that love go? Uh, not that deep. I'm Kelly for life okay. over here. So, uh, wow. Is that all you got from the You never know what's going to come into the email mailbox. Yeah. The amount of stuff going on over here. Is that related to Super Bowl week? or? I mean, clearly in some way, shape, or form. I don't quite know how it connects. I don't know why I've got the email, but yeah, there it is. Where are we on this free agent list here? Uh, how about the secondary? How about the secondary? Anything else good going on here? Legarius <laughs> Sneed. Jalen Johnson coming off a huge year with the Bears. So that so what's Brad what's Brad saying about the secondary? Well, Legarius Need is another one of those Bengals situations, right? They've got Chris Jones and Legarius Need. Only one of them can get the franchise tag if indeed you want to go that direction at all. So one of them either needs a long-term deal or they're hitting the open market. Uh, Jalen Johnson going to get the tag from the Bears? They could not come to terms. Yeah. Just yet, and you think Winfield with the Bucks probably gets it? Yeah. Um, Bucks wouldn't tag. Baker. I think they're going to get a deal. My my assumption is they will get a deal done with Baker and won't need to franchise tag him. If they don't, then I would imagine they will have to. Uh, any other? Let's look offensive line here. Any other big stories that you've been keeping an eye on here when it comes to free agency? Yeah, I mean, I think the offensive line group is kind of interesting. It's not. Um, there's not a ton of star power in it, but there are a lot of quality starting players, like you mentioned, right? The the bargain basement type shopping. Um, Tyron Smith is reaching the end of his career, but he's still only 33. Could somebody tell the boys to keep it down over there? McAfee, do you want to go on? Uh, somebody, and Dave, go over there and say, we're, we're trying to record over here. If they could just keep it down. I don't think Sulf is the right person to be enforcing the decorum. I think you need to go over there. Do I have to go over there? Yeah. Listen, we're trying to record. You guys are screaming about some sort of poker game or whatever they got going on. I'm over reasonably there. certain that if you went over there, you would be the largest person in that crowd and you could assert some dominance. Yeah, but Pat could like shooting star press me or something. Dude's wrestled at WrestleMania. You worked out this week. I did. I did hit the gym and I was feeling good about won the day. Yeah, you're good. Lost to go. today, but we won yesterday. <laughs> Lost today. Yeah. At the gym. Yeah, so we're even. Even for the week. <laughs> Uh, Tyron Smith being the biggest name to hit. So he's like, agency, I mean, but it feels like Tyron Smith has been reaching the end of his career for like half a decade, but he's still only 33 in an era where tackles are playing to 40. He's just been on his last legs for the last six years. Right, and he, it's you know he's going to get hurt. <laughs> he's like Teron Armstead, but he's valuable. But if you go beyond Tyron Smith, yeah, the one to me that's always jumped out from the free agent list this year is Michael Owenu, who is yeah. 26 years old has played his best football at right tackle, the more valuable position than guard, but has played all over that New England offensive line. And for some reason, the Patriots have never seemed to fully buy into him as like a high quality player. Right. I'm really curious if the rest of the league thinks the same way. And if he's just a guy that for some reason seems to play much better than the perception. Or if the rest of the league is like the Patriots have been sleeping on this guy the entire time and there's like a massive bidding war for his services and he becomes like the most coveted right tackle in free agency. The PFF grades have been really good for Nwenu. Uh, you know, that's what you're hinting at here. Yeah. And every now and again, we do differ from what the league perception is. Right. We had it with an 86 in 2021, 79 grade in 22, 71 dropped a little bit last year. 
but this has been shuffling back and forth between guard and tackle right. as a sixth round pick. There are some parallels between Michael Owenu and Evan Mathis way back in the day when the Bengals didn't believe in Evan Mathis. They were rotating him at left guard with Nate Livings, right? And Nate Livings was the guy that got the big free agency deal from right. Dallas and there was nothing in the data that said that that was worth doing, that actually Evan Mathis was a much better player. He signs as almost like an afterthought in that free agency dream team the Eagles assembled, and he ends up being like the only successful player to come from it. And he ends up becoming an all-pro, right? Eventually, teams caught on to the fact that this guy was just playing really well down in, down out, and, you know, we're fighting this sort of PR battle of what PFF grades mean. They're not going to be perfect. We're going to differ from people at times. I don't think we're going to differ to the degree of saying a guy is an elite, consistent playmaker. Actually, no, it turns out he's garbage. We might be off on a play here or there. We might be off, you know, but the larger the sample size and when it's consistent week after week after week, year after year after year, if they're saying he is that, he probably is that. When it comes to the offensive line, there's four names in the top 25. Tyron Smith, who we mentioned, Trent Brown from the Patriots, Kevin Dotson, the guard from the Rams, and then Onwenu at, at 25. Those top three guys all have like a yeah, but to them. Tyron Smith and right. his age and his health. Trent Brown basically quit on the Patriots last year. Um, he's been a good player when he's been out there, but he's also on the other side of 30 now. And again, he quit on the Patriots. Whatever that falling out is, maybe it wasn't his fault whatsoever. I don't know, but there was a falling out there. Kevin Dotson was a guy that we liked early in his career from a grading standpoint. The Steelers were a similar situation. They never completely bought into Dotson. There was a disconnect between, or just a difference between his pass blocking and run blocking grades. But he just put it all together with the Rams, number two graded guard. Uh, last year, so is he just a one-year wonder would right. be the question there. But Awenu is probably the most intriguing because of the position, positional versatility, 26 years old, and the consistency. We talk sometimes about draft position. Uh, like if he was a if he was a first-rounder with that level of production, you'd be like, oh, we got to lock him up, you know, right. whatever. But he's a sixth-round pick, so sometimes that um, the league still thinks of them as a sixth-round pick. And then you have the market. Robert Hunt as well, the most dynamic yards after the catch man on <laughs> yes. the offensive line market. Just get the ball in his hands. It's trickier you if do. you're playing him at guard. It's harder to get that guy in the open field. I think when you get into the, um, you know, Jonah Williams, uh, you know, started at left and right tackle for the Bengals, uh, probably never really lived up to the, you know, the first round billing. He's coming off a 61 grade in 22 when he was injured, and then last year moved to right tackle, similar type of grade at 58. So, you know, it's a bit took, of a reclamation yeah. project there. Yes. I mean, he took a big step backwards in his career. Had been average, an average level starter in, on a bad offensive line, which always looks worse. Um, took a big step backwards in a year where he injured his knee. You know, let's not forget that. Had a bad injury that looked at the time like he was going to be done for the year. And, and by the way, that's what we mean when we talk about context. We don't just see, oh, this guy was terrible. There's this great. Like, we right. know that injuries matter and competition. Yeah. Like, those things matter when we're trying to figure out what to do with the numbers. Right. So, took a huge step back that year. Played badly. Gave up 13 sacks or whatever it was. Like, r really rough year for him. Um, they moved him to the right side to accommodate Orlando Brown. And he basically backed that up with the exact same performance that he had when he was hurt the year before on the left side. So, now... You're looking at this guy and saying, at his best, he was an average caliber starter, maybe a little bit, you know, a guy that you would look to replace anyway. And he hasn't played at his best on either side of the line for the last couple of years, albeit one of them having a sort of injury asterisk approach, uh, attached to it. But that's not a sell high type of situation for Jonah Williams, a team 
might look at him and say, we liked him coming out and, you know, we, we really like him as a, as a person, as a leader, as a locker room guy, whatever, and we think there's potential to be untapped, but you are, it is a big reclamation project, like you're saying. I think if you are, if your team is O-line needy, my recommendation is, is often looking in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 100s on the PFF rankings, not because the players aren't as good, but I do think that there's value there. Because again, hey, there's Dan Marino. Damn. You don't need elite players across the board. You do need, at bat, you'd like to have five good enough starters. There are guys like John Simpson, guard, at 110. Josh Jones, who we've talked about a ton on this show, uh, who could play tackle at the NFL level, be a starting tackle. Even a Donovan Smith, who's about to start in the Super Bowl for the Chiefs, he could be just a good enough starting left tackle. Graham Glasgow out yeah. there for the, for the Lions. I mean, you could do some really good... I don't want to bargain basement sounds a little bit, you know, harsh, but you could do some really good discount shopping in this go. offensive line mark and get some very, very good players. Like Josh Jones, who we talked before, is a I think a pretty good caliber starting left tackle and has been unlucky with where he's ended up in terms of competition and where he's he is in the pecking order of the teams that he's been signed to. Josh Jones could start and upgrade quite a lot of teams at left tackle in the NFL. Um, Jonah Jackson, who you know is gonna be missing for the Lions. Uh, with his injury late in the playoffs, he's a good quality starting player. Like, you could overhaul an offensive line relatively cheap just shopping the mid-level of the offensive line market here. All right, uh, before we get to running backs, okay, any position group we haven't touched on, I want to wrap it up with running backs, guys like Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, our names. Is there anything we're missing here? Tight ends we haven't really talked about. Let's talk tight end. Let's talk, talk tight, tight end. end. I mean, it's a solid group, I think. Um, top guys, Dalton Schultz, Hunter Henry. Um, but there's contributors quite deep into this thing. Noah Fant, Gerald Everett, uh, Mike Gusecki's in there as well. It's a solid group of tight ends, but no, Dalton Schultz is the one guy that you think might be able to come in there and like make a real game-changing impact to an offense. We have the old headshot for Dalton Schultz here on our website, and it's throwing me off. Yeah? It's, got the Dallas, it's got the Dallas uniform on. Ah, I see. But Schultz had a nice year with Houston. Um, you know, Nick Casario, they've, they've done a nice job. Um, they started to get more playmakers in there over the last couple of years, and Schultz was one of them. But the one thing we've, we've said a lot that Casario's been doing is, is shorter contracts. So now this doesn't, this doesn't feel great, I don't think, if you're a Texans fan. Like, you got the one year out of Dalton Schultz. You'd love to have him back, and but the price, tag's gonna, yeah. Yeah, the price tag's going to start going up here. It is, yeah. It's a difficult balance, right? You have to weigh how much initial risk you want to take versus well what is the risk if he get if he's good what happens in 12 months time because now the price tag shoots way up and you're going to be much worse off than if you're giving him a, a longer term deal right away but that would have come with you know attached risk right up front a couple athletic tight ends Noah Fant is at 53 on the board and at 83 is Gerald Everett I don't see Everett maybe as a fit for uh, Jim Harbaugh in there we can probably want some right. power run blocking tight ends but I think Everett can still be a movable playmaker type at tight end. So I think Noah Fance, Gerald Everett, a couple athletic tight ends who will be available in free agency. All right, let's talk running backs. We've talked about Saquon Barkley a little bit. Yeah, potential franchise tag. He's at 29 on our board. At 30 is Josh Jacobs. Given Antonio Pierce and what he said during the season when he took over, we're a Josh Jacobs team, we're a Robert Spillane team on defense, right? Those were their, their key pieces. I'm assuming they're going to try to keep Josh Jacobs. You would in think Vegas so. Yeah. Here. And, you know, in terms of guys you might want to give at least a franchise tag to, 
uh, he's young enough, right? Like there's some old running backs or older running backs. Jacobs ha is about to turn 26 years old. That's about as far as you're going to want to go before you give uh, big money. All right, and I want to talk Derrick Henry. Yeah. Derrick Henry, 29 years old, 29 and a half, according to PFF.com. 0.5. Derrick Henry, man, is any team going to go in and say, we want that level of power and identity with Derrick Henry? You know, the, the Dallas Cowboys keep getting paired with Derrick Henry, and of course Tony Pollard is also a free agent for the Cowboys. What teams tend to do at the end of the season, they say, when we look at last season, we were good at these things, but we were lacking in X, Y, and Z. And the Cowboys could easily say we were lacking in the power run game. And there's even some people in the media who think they missed Zeke last yeah. year. They were great offensively. Dak had his best season. They scored more points than ever, but they missed Zeke. Are they having that conversation in Dallas that a power running back is the key for them? Maybe. I mean, to me, the most interesting thing about Derrick Henry is just overall the discussion about him this offseason. Um, he's about to be 30. He's got an incredible amount of uh, miles on the clock from a running back perspective. Forget just the NFL. Like, look at his college career. Look at his high school career. That guy has been run into the ground in his football playing career. And yet, there's almost no sign of that. Like, he does not look... There's no visible evidence that Derrick Henry is declining. He still looks like Derrick Henry. It's just that for the last two years, he's been running behind literally the worst offensive line in the NFL. And we've, we say all the time, we caution teams against, do not chase exceptions. Don't go looking for the unicorn because most people are not the unicorn and you get yourself into trouble. Assume that the rules apply to every single player and don't assume that you found the one exception. But Derrick Henry has already shown repeatedly in his NFL career that he is an exception to the rules and that generally the rules don't apply to him. This idea of, you know, late in the game with a weight of carries and they get better, it's almost always crap. But it isn't for Derrick Henry. It actually is a thing. The more you give him the ball late in the fourth quarter, he does get more uh, potent and more effective and punishes defenses. So. Derrick Henry, I think, has shown multiple times in his career that he is an exception to the usual rules of how running back of running back dynamics in the NFL. When they decline, how much wear and tear is important, you know, when you should start cutting off, giving the money, etc. So do you assume that he will be this time as well? And actually you can give him a three-year contract at high money because he's Derrick Henry still. In addition, though, do you have to build your offense around him for everything that you said? this concept of getting better in the fourth quarter and you know there was a game a couple years ago where I said Derrick Henry led the comeback against the Seattle Seahawks they were down two or three scores and the Titans didn't just start passing the ball like crazy they started handing it off and right. Derrick Henry led a comeback in like a 36 to 30 game that doesn't happen in the NFL I mean with running backs like does is that not a good fit for Dallas who became such a pass first team and rightfully so because that's their strength I don't think you need to build an offense around Derrick Henry, but I do think that there are offenses in the NFL for whom Derrick Henry is not a great fit because they are so pass-heavy. Like, Derrick Henry in Buffalo wouldn't make a ton of sense because no. they want to pass the ball first and foremost. Um, and therefore, you're simply reducing the value of a guy like Derrick Henry, particularly when he's not 
you know, the weakness of his game has always been he's not a huge factor in the pass game. There's something about just putting a bunch of freak shows on the field, though, man. <laughs> There's something about Josh Allen and Derrick Henry are in the backfield. Like, when he was a free agent a couple years ago, I said the Ravens. Right. Right, because nobody's going to run the ball as much as the Ravens. And even though they can make running backs, you know, have four and a half, five yards per carry, what if you added Derrick I mean, Henry to that mix? The Ravens would be fascinating. Houston would be fascinating. Like any of these. Their run game was very inconsistent last right. year. Right. And, and the, you know, Devin Singletary is a good player, but he's not Derrick Henry. Like, and PFF Bobby wants to run the ball, right? Yeah. It's a, an important part of what he believes in offense. It's connected so, to the play action. Exactly. Game. So there are teams I think that Derrick Henry would be a fascinating fit, but what do you do with his price tag, his age, like the confidence, how long you think you're going to have him for. Like, it's a very, very interesting discussion because of what he's already shown in his career. Philadelphia Eagles, potentially. Yeah. They don't invest at right. running back. But, again, I, I, I'm intrigued by it. I always like the idea of kind of doubling down on the run game. When you have a quarterback who can run and a dangerous running back, it, it, to me it's all about just putting the, the defense in a bind and making it difficult on them. And when you have a running quarterback and a difficult running, uh, running back to stop, puts the defense in a bind. So I think, I think Derrick Henry, even in his 30s, because of everything you said, incredible durability and just a different dynamic. Is he a better running back than Josh Jacobs or Saquon Barkley at this point? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so necessarily. But it's a dynamic that a not, a, not a lot of teams have. Yeah, absolutely. Even, even, and here's how tough it is to find. Like, A.J. Dillon is also a free agent from the Packers. Similar size as Derrick Henry. A couple times, you know, during Dillon's career, where it's like, oh, he runs with some power and some speed. and he, But he's not Derrick Henry. And he's never been as productive as Derrick Henry. Like, he is, he is in unicorn land as far as the big running back, the big and speedy running back goes. So, yeah, I'm, of all the running back free agency – that I've ever seen. Like Derrick Henry is the is is the intriguing one, I'd say. He really is. I mean, there are there. Are, remember, there was a, one of those sort of running back tenets has always been. There's a number at which once you get more carries than that in a season, the guy the next year or whatever falls that was, off. That was old Aaron Schatz, Football Outsiders, right. and the number I believe was 383. Okay, and Larry Johnson was one of those guys. Remember he the had Chiefs? Like 420 something. Yeah, the Chiefs had that one year where they absolutely ran Larry Johnson into the ground, and he put up like 1,900 yards. I think it was never the same guy again. Derrick Henry has been at or over that number multiple times in his NFL career. Derrick Henry in high school had almost 1,400 carries. Right in college, he then added another 600, and in the NFL, he's had 2,200 um, touches. Like that guy has been, his workload must be as high as basically any running back ever when you factor in all three levels of his career so far. And yet again, I mean, last year he looked like Derrick Henry. His grade is still outstanding. He still put up pretty crazy numbers given how bad the offensive line in front of him was. He had a PFF grade of 90. Derrick Henry is still Derrick Henry. Um, I like the way Brad's broken down. We've got two ways to see the free agent rankings over at pff.com. You've got our stock list that kind of looks like a draft board. It's a free agent board. You can see the, the main write-up. And then there's the article, if you just search 2024 free agent rankings in PFF. And Brad does a nice job not only writing it up, but taking bringing in a top free agent comparison, a former season, um, some of the interesting ones like Josh Jacobs and Doug Martin from 2016. Derrick Henry's comp is actually Leonard Fournette from 2022 from, uh, you know, size and right. workload and, you know, um, 
you know, level in their career standpoint. Chris Jones being Indomitian Sue in 2015. Remember, that was one of the biggest free agent signings in history at the time when Sue signed with the Dolphins. Kirk Cousins being Phillip Rivers in 2020, which I kind of like. Right. You know, Kirk Cousins has maybe elevated himself into that Phil Rivers type of territory. Not with children, but, you know, on-field play. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm closer to Rivers and children. You're a, you're a way even, behind. Not them. even a half Rivers. I know. Not even not all that close but it's a it's a good way of looking at things the I other think, uh, running back the other running back name to bring up is austin eckler um oh yeah because sure. he you know he agitated for more money in the offseason he wanted a, a bigger deal didn't sort of get an awful lot out of it had to settle and then got hurt and had a bad season so he's now coming into free agency off a bad year at oh you know 28 almost 29 years old he just gave nfl teams the ammunition to be like, nah, you're not going to get a big deal. And it, he's he's like a classic example of this cautionary tale of how hard it is to get paid as a running back because you make one false step. And by false step, I mean get hurt, you know? Yeah. Like he, he made one false step in terms of getting injured and then had a bad year coming back from that. And he's in a tough spot because he might never get that big extension and the the elevated deal that reflects his value to the team that he was looking for last year so the two other dynamics at play as we head into off-season fun here that i just wanted to discuss before we wrap it up free agency is this period of time we always talk about teams filling their needs before they get into the draft so what teams are doing right now obviously getting their free agent evaluations done i mean they're already at a certain level of done figuring out talking to agents secretly all that fun stuff getting their draft board in order and then probably looking around the league and saying, okay, what potential players are available? And I think one of the, the potential undervalued markets are like the teams that just changed coaches, right? The team where Raheem Morris and, you know, Raheem Morris is in Atlanta. Does he want all of the players that are left over from Atlanta? Do right. they fit his system? Do they, do, so maybe looking for the, to the trade market and say a new coach over here, there's a good player there that might fit our team more than the new regime that's coming in. So, that's what teams are doing right now, I think, is stacking the board of available players, looking at the free agent classes, the draft classes, and then maybe potential trade options as well. Our advice is always do your best. It's, it's not always easy because free agency, it's like recruiting. You don't know what you're going to get. You can't just pick. So you got to have the right offer and you got to bring in the right people. Try to fill those needs as much as possible so that you can draft the best players in late April. Just be smart. That's the analysis. That's My advice. That, all right. That's the advice to all the teams. Is be just smart. be smart. That's what I would do. Or even, if you can't just be smart, just don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. There is That is why the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl right, right now. There they is, just didn't make mistakes. Just don't make mistakes. Incredible mileage to be had by just not being an idiot. You know? <laughs> and that's, I think, a life lesson. Ugh. Just not being an idiot. Free agency's fun, man. We, as we reminisce here, at our time at PFF. Remember early days? We'd be sitting there on a Skype call. On the live blog. Live blogging it up. The player would sign. And be like, all right, Sam, you got this right up. Give me some good hard-hitting analysis. Mm-hmm. Or uh, it's my turn. It's my turn to write it up. Then we, we tried to do the blog 24-7. Yeah. Because we had a lot of people in the British Isles. British Isles. That could keep it afloat. Rick over in uh, California. We had all time zones we covered. We had the time zones covered. So we would go. And free agency used to used to start Tuesday at 4, I believe it was. So you'd go 
Tuesday through Saturday was pretty much nonstop news. Right. But then they started to have like there's a tampering period and there's a pre-tampering period and then it's like we know you're tampering and it's illegal but you're you know uh -huh. we're still getting news out here, and you lost a little bit of that like the floodgates open at four o'clock on the Tuesday when the new league year starts. But just wanted to bring that up. Those were the they're not the good old days. They were just the old days. Just the old days. Just the old days. Not good. Not bad. Just old. And the site... Just some things that happened before. The site, our WordPress website, would get so overloaded, we'd have to call Ian over in the British Isles, mm. like, wake up to, like, you know, turn it back on again. Yeah. Whatever you had to do to make it work. The thing would crash all the time, the live blog. Well, this was part of the education process of Ian, who had now no kind of football background, was just the IT guy. And they were like, oh, by the way, Ian, free agency next week, which means the site is about to, like, quadruple in traffic. <laughs> You know, you might want to like open some containers or whatever it is you do over there yeah. to make the site not fall yeah, over. Yeah, they got to expand the containers around free agent time to handle. And then flatten it. And then you flatten yeah. the file, uh -huh. drop it in there, and we go live. Blog three straight days, four days. See, we don't need Ian. Nonstop. Yeah, we got yeah. this. Good stuff. We don't need Ian. No. Rest in peace. <laughs> he left PFF too. Yeah, the late, the late Ian Perks. As of today. Just got that announcement. Sad. This guy started PFF back in 2007. One of the OGs. It is. Yeah. Big run. Just trying to keep that foundation together over here. Just doing our best. Anyway, um, so we're going to look for J.J. Watt. Yeah. We're going to try to find J.J. You're going to intimidate if him. he's over here. And throw a t-shirt at him. Is he going to make it to the set for McAfee? We're going to go heckle him. There's no way this t-shirt is fitting J.J. I'll Watt. I'll throw the shirt. What if this I, is an L. If oh, you I can't, throw we, can't, the, we can't give that up? If I throw the shirt at him, will that be like an assault or like will he get mad? I mean, you're not going to hit him. I wouldn't worry about it. And if I do, it won't hurt. <laughs> if, you, if you can only throw a baseball 74 miles an hour, how much velocity do you think you're generating out of a T-shirt at this point? This is rough. <laughs> Anyone else important walking around here? Who else do we see? Yeah, It's getting crowded. It is, picking up. So we're Wednesday. This is usually when some of the heavy hitters start to roll in, like Dan Marino. Yeah, like fake um, Andy Reid starts to roll in soon. Fake Andy. You know? Thursday is when it gets, like, peak heat in terms of the, the big hitters. Yeah. Friday, it because starts to Because it's Vegas, down. are we going to get some of the, um, I don't know, the, the local superstars? The interesting folks that we saw at, let's say, the media party last night. Or the people that are in residency, like you two. Yeah, I'm sure U2 is going to roll through here. Yeah, they're yeah, in the need, sphere all the time. Looking for a little, well. need a little publicity. Here. Right. Carrot Top. Carrot Top. Carrot definitely going to be here on Friday. You know that. Dana White usually shows up for yeah. a radio row, even when it's not in Vegas. So he might roll in. Talk to John Annex, see if we can get Dana on here. Yeah, I'm doing John Annex podcast in a couple hours, actually. What's you name dropping? The, the voice of the UFC. I like I putting you on the him. spot. Would you have Mike Lombardi on the show? I would. He was on with Felger and Maz over there yesterday. He was, and it was a great segment, it largely was, because they took him to task for Fe his bullshit. Felger is like a you know, local radio personality in New England, Felger and Maz. I'll be on their show on Friday. And they were taking Mike Lombardi to town because Mike plays a lot. Of, I'm, I was in the building. I know all the stuff. I know everything Bill's thinking yeah. until he doesn't. Yeah. And uh, he got called out on that. And I know you're not, you know. I'm not a huge fan of Mike Lombardi. I wouldn't be... 
a big fan of having him on the podcast yeah. and talking to him because every answer when he doesn't want to when he wants to reject the premise of your question you he can, will start you can push him he's trying he to promote a book you will say something right asking him about whatever when he wants to reject the premise of your question he will start by saying if you knew bill the way i know bill you would understand how dumb a question that is essentially right and then when you want to say well okay as a guy who knows bill and who was in the building why did this happen and, well I wasn't in that meeting, so I can't tell you about that. It's selective. It's what people do when they don't actually know what they're talking about, and I dislike those conversations. So we're not gonna do it? I'm I would probably. not like to have him on the show. If you wanna have him here, I'm perfectly willing to vacate my seat, have him sit next to you like a munchkin, <laughs> what I and like you to can take him to task over whatever it is. We joke about radical candor on the show, so sometimes we, we hash out family business right here on the show with right. everybody. I think it's important. Maybe this is why we didn't win the war. <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe it is. We took production meetings. Yeah, we could, we yeah, could just get going. roll the music. We, we, we bring our production meetings live on the air. You can get 30% off PFF, 30MDS, that's the promo code, 30MDS. Go do that at pff.com. Tyler, get us out of here. We're at the, uh, Circa on Wednesday afternoon. So, 4 o'clock, we're recording our Thursday show, Wednesday afternoon at 4. If this is up in time, I was about to ask. you can hear this <laughs> and say, oh, let me drive, let me get to Circa really quick. Let me get on the media shuttle. This, I mean, show, this show needs to be out, and they need to get an hour through it by the time that show starts. And they starts. need to be in Vegas. Right. But we're doing it anyway. You should know. All right, I'm out of here. We'll see you again tomorrow from Circa, PFF NFL Podcast.